building companies is a is 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 a uh, an ongoing fixing slash optimization process. You're constantly running into things that either you think are completely broken and you're trying to fix, or you're looking at them and you say, "We we can do a lot better there. Let's optimize." So that that's that's really what you know um, uh, what your role is as 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 CEO is trying to identify those types of of things and trying to you know provide directives and guidance and 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 you know when it's you when you need to roll up your sleeves and and, and do some of the work yourself. That's that's absolutely something you need to do as well. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Lomitech, and sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, Upwest, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and Birthright Excel. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Leaders. Meet Mark Gaffin, CEO of Hisolate. Mark is a successful CEO, entrepreneur, and cybersecurity veteran. Prior to joining Hisolate, Mark was the chief business officer at Nexar and an executive in residence at Bessemer Venture Partners. In 2009, Gaffin co-founded Encapsula, and after its acquisition by Imperva, led the Encapsula business as CEO to $100 million in run rate, protecting millions of websites worldwide and many of the world's largest enterprises and telcos. Mark is a thought leader and has appeared before the U.S. Congress, FDIC, and Federal Trade Commission on cybersecurity and identity theft topics. He holds an MBA and BSc in Computer Science and Economics from Tel Aviv University. Mark Gaffin, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. How are you today? I'm well, Michael. Great to be here. Thank you very much for being here, a leader in the cyber world. I'm really excited for these next 20 minutes. Uh, just like with a lot of episodes, I know a little bit about where we're going to start, but I have no idea where we're going to end. Your career is so fascinating today. You're the CEO of Hisolate, but if I just begin to list the different things that you've been a part of, uh, most importantly, of course, uh, working at Zapper 20 years ago, uh, I, you completely filled my heart with that one uh, before we started. But, uh, you know, very quick, shortly, uh, you know, board member of a, of a few amazing companies, chief business officer of Nexar before a company that I love. Uh, you were executive in residence in Bessemer Venture Partners. Uh, you were the CEO and co-founder of Encapsula, which was acquired by Imperva. And Moshe Lipsker from Imperva was also on this show. And so uh, uh, before the director of product marketing of RSA Security and a bunch more things that I'm not even going to go into right now. First, I want to start off grand. Mark, what, what is, how do you describe your career? If you had to think about you know, what your journey is like, what, what are some thoughts that come to mind? Because you've done so much and you've worn so many hats. So, you know, I, I like to describe my career as I started off as, as a techie and, you know, over the years okay. moved into product and business hats. Um, I'm actually a big believer of that, that journey, especially in the, in the high-tech world. I think that, that in order to, um, to lead, you've got to have a sound technical or product, at least uh, appetite. Uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, if, if you look at a, a, a career that I would try and plan, that's those have come some of the, 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 the milestones I would look to build into uh, a master plan. I love it. I love it. Okay. So what I'd love to understand a little bit if, from your perspective is where we're at right now, specifically perhaps in Israel or the cyber world and the different trends that, you know, perhaps looking at the last 
a dozen or so years and what's been happening or two dozen years and what's been happening. And then I'd like to also transition a little bit to what you're doing today with Hysolate and more in the context of leadership in cyberspace and what does it mean to be a leader in this domain? So take me, tell me a little bit about the cyberspace in general and what you've observed has changed within the cyberspace in Israel. So I've been in the cyberspace since 2005. My first cybersecurity company was uh, a company called uh, Sayota that became part of RSA. Um, most of people don't know that name. They call it Naftali Bennett's company. But um, <laughs> essentially, you know, my cyber career had started about 16 years ago. Um, and I would say that the, as technology is accelerating, so the cyber uh, requirements or the, 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 uh, the threats essentially have become, um, you know, even more severe. And I think like everyone else over the last 18 or 19 months since COVID broke, the acceleration or the digital transformation that we're going uh, through the entire world is going to accelerate the need for cyber, you know, for additional cybersecurity measures. There's new threats that are being introduced. There's new uh, formats of work with the remote work, work from anywhere, hybrid work. Uh, these are all things. This is a massive change in paradigm. You know, there's those that will say that we've leapfrogged 10 years in, you know, in 18 months in terms of progression. Um, when you have something like this, such a wow. tightened tidal wave that's um, uh, that's taking place, there's lots of uh, of lots of ways to try and address them, and that that creates a, a great uh, foundation for innovation. I think I, I love that, and you know, if, if you're looking now at this uh, this idea of innovation and you're looking at the cyberspace. What, what have you found helpful as you're navigating through thinking about these threats and about where innovation is going to take place in this cat and mouse game? What, what has sort of been sort of your North Star in thinking through what are the next big things that I should be working on because you've worked on so many different things? So it, it's a good point that it very much aligns with what we're doing at Isolate. The, you know, the, the, the title shift from, a, from an IT perspective is the fact that so many people are working remotely. If, you know, if two years ago, um, most organizations and most enterprises assumed that 80 or 90% of people were going to be within the corporate firewall 80 to 90% of the time, that's how they built their, uh, their, threats, their threat models and that's how they built their, their, you know, their security strategies. Um, that all changed. So all of a sudden we went right. to almost 100% of the people or 100% of the time um, you know, outside of the firewall now. That means that we are using our home networks way, way more than we've used them before. That means that we're using our personal devices um, more than we've used them before for corporate stuff. We're giving our kids often um, the opportunity or not the opportunity, but we need to render our, our corporate devices to, to, you know, to members of our family. Our corporate devices are sitting on our kitchen tables because we're, you know, we're working from home. And um, I right. think that everyone's come to the realization that that's going to stay to some extent. Okay, we're not going to go all the way back to the office and we're not going to stay at home 100% of the time. We're going to be, you know, some type of an accordion, essentially, of, of, of this, you know, the yeah. hybrid work. But what that means, really, from, you know, if you're planning, if, if you're an IT guy, if you're a security guy and you're planning your strategy, you really have to address both extreme situations today or, you know, a situation where everyone could be working from home because I think no one's going to say never again about a pandemic because we've been, you know, we've been burnt. And we're also seeing that once, you know, even throughout this pandemic, when we've 
uh, uh, rule victory, we've seen that things are not so, uh, we're, we yeah. actually aren't so victorious and we're kind of back to square one. So this whole notion of, of having to enable work from everywhere is a new um, uh, theme or a new axiom that we need to take into consideration as we build our IT and security strategies. So I want to, I want to, uh, you know, dwell on this point for just a couple more minutes, because I think it's fascinating. And it's something that we all need to stop and think about. Because when I look back at some of the most incredible innovations in the cyberspace, at least in the Israeli scene, let's say Checkpoint, for example, you know, we're thinking about these firewalls, we're thinking about these protection systems on prem, you know, within organizations that are going to help us be isolated within our organizations. So what what's happening now? And where do you think we're going to be seeing a lot of the cyber shift as we're transitioning now to, you know, working remotely and accepting that as a new reality, especially in a world where we're also accepting that, for example, PPI and sensitive data is being used by a lot of people and a lot of employees on a lot of devices? So first of all, I think we all need to recognize the fact that data is the new gold or data is the new diamonds or data is the new oil, call it whatever you want, but data is the new... Yeah. Um, um, I would call it non-natural resource that is super, super highly priced and highly valued. And the same way it's right. valued by corporations and what we can do with the data, uh, that's how valued it is by the cyber criminals. They realize that getting their hands on the data has a huge amount of potential. It's become a high priced um, uh, commodity, essentially. So everyone's after you know, the data, essentially, and all cyber attacks are essentially out to uh, typically get data. You do get scenarios which is, it's totally um, uh, financial around ransomware. We're not trying to steal your data. We're just trying to extort right. you. But mostly people want to steal data or either to extort you or to use that data to extort others. Um, there's always a financial incentive behind it unless it's, 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 it's you know, nation state or, 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 or espionage, which is, you know, a big part of the, 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 the cybersecurity space. But I would say that, you know, B2B, B2C is where most of us are focused and that's where most of our concerns are specifically around our own privacy. Um, so assuming right. that data is the, the center of gravity, it's all about protecting the data and it's about protecting access to data because we need to give different people in the organizations and different systems access to, to, you know, to data. The question is, how do we do this uh, securely and it's not, you know, now that there's no perimeter and we're all of us are outside of the firewall, um, our laptops essentially have become our new offices. So that's, that's the new, you know, that's the new office for us. or that's the new perimeter, yeah. which essentially means that there's no perimeter. And the question is, how do we give people the flexibility to, um, A, do what they need to do on their laptop so that they can be productive, that they can browse the web and they can communicate and they can collaborate. But... Also, how can they touch corporate systems and data, which are most likely sensitive um, without jeopardizing corporate security? Right. So effective leadership in, in cyberspace, you know, you're coming in with your own background and your understanding of what's happening here. And, you know, effectively, you've managed to be a very successful executive in a variety of companies. And so that's not by chance. What does it mean to be an effective leader in your eyes? specifically in the cyber domain, whether it's in the interpersonal part, in the visionary part, and what, how are you bringing that into isolate right now? You know, I don't think that the cybersecurity space is different from a leadership, from a leadership, from a leadership role than, than, than any other space. I just happen to find myself spend, you know, 
um, a lot of time in the space become a um, I won't I won't say a domain expert, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm you know that's an area that I can that I can be most uh, most effective in because of you know the the the, the experience. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's very much about the people that you um, that you have on your team. It's about building you know strong teams. You're not going to do this journey alone. Building a company is something that's uh, it's 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 a marathon. Um, it doesn't take you know typically a year or two or three. It takes a lot more than that. Um, you need the right people around you. The ability to execute with the right team is going to be uh, key. And I think it's all about, you know, how do you bring the right people on board? How do you empower them? How do you give them the ability to, uh, on the one hand, execute, but on the other hand, and have, you know, latitude, but on the other hand, stay focused and all stay uh, stay aligned? Um, often there's conflicting interests and there's conflicting priorities. It's how do you keep everyone aligned and keep, you know, keeping everyone on the same yeah. page, but, um, you know, and doing that effectively. And I think that an important question, though, that needs to be asked is also why start another company? You've you've started companies, you've been an executive in existing companies, you've been in the venture capital world. Why start another company at this point? So I didn't actually start Hysolate. I joined Hysolate two years ago as a CEO, more of a, if you, you can call it a professional CEO, as someone who's been in this role before. Um, so I didn't start Hysolate, but I decided to join a very early stage company, which is I, I, you know, with all due respect, it's way closer to the beginning of the journey than to the end of the journey. Um, it's it's a part of the journey that I enjoy. It's about figuring out, you know, what customers want, what customers need, trying to find out, you know, how we can, um, with the building blocks that we have, how can we address this in the most effective way? Um, it was, you know, it was also about meeting the right people. So, the, you know, meeting my, you know, my partner at Hysolate Tal, who was the founder of a company and the CEO before me. And, you know, we saw that we could forge a really good partnership in which Tal, you know, owns the technical and product side. Um, um, and I, you know, I can focus more on the, 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 the business and growing the company. So, you know, we found that to be mm-hmm. um, in not by starting a company, but as we, you know, as we got to know each other and as we, um, um, we got to formulate the idea of me coming in. Um, it sounded like the right, you know, fit from us. Um, I also, you know, know a lot of the investors on the team and I've had relationships with them in the past, you know, whether it's Bessemer or, or the, the, um, um, the partners on at, at teammate, which I've had interactions with in the past. So at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the partners that you, that you join, the, the founders, the management team, the investors, um, a big part of the, uh, the decision is, are you joining a, you know, a group of people? That right. you um, that you want to work with, in addition to the idea and the potential on the market, it's a lot easier, by the way, to pivot the product. Sometimes even to pivot the entire market. But uh, switching out the team and investors and founders is a lot harder. Um, right. You know, early stage companies. As uh, you know, if I, if I put my investor or my angel investor hat here on, you know, for a second, it's really about the team. Uh, again, you can change ideas, you can change directions. It's very difficult to change the team, or the impact of changing the team is significant. So, you know, that's uh, that's why I decided to 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 join Hysolate. And so, what what steps did you take to make it as smooth of a transition as possible? No matter what, uh, changing leadership or adding to a leadership to an existing company, um, you know, it's it's not a trivial process. And I'm I'm really curious as to what you know with your experience, what did you do? as you transitioned into this role that you felt either helped or, or didn't help make this process a smooth one, not just for you, 
but also for a lot of the employees that were already in the company and for the, the, all the different stakeholders that were involved. Right. So I think that, you know, the most important thing to do, and, and this is something that I tried to do as much as possible, is to spend the first few months in really learning, um, learning, I would say, the 360 of, you know, of the company, which means talking to customers, understanding, you know, or talking to prospects and customers, understanding what's, you know, um, um, how we're solving their problem, um, to what, you know, to what extent we can solve their problems, uh, understanding uh, and talking to all the employees in the company, understanding, you know, what's driving them, are they in a good place, uh, are our teams built effectively, are we executing and, and doing that, you know, um, top down. So talking to all the executives, talking to all the managers, talking to all the employees, understanding, you know, where, where, we, can, where we can try and optimize. Um, and then trying to piece things together from an execution perspective to see, you know, how are we executing, building KPIs, understanding what are the most important things to do, try and, you know, there's always in any, in any business, and, and, and this is not just a new business that you join, there's always, there's always things to fix. Um, companies are mm-hmm. a, you know, or building companies is a, is, is, is a, uh, an ongoing fixing slash optimization process. You're constantly running into things that either you think are completely broken and you're trying to fix, or you're looking at them and you say, we, we can do a lot better there. Let's optimize. So that, that's, that's really mm-hmm. what, you know, um, uh, what your role is as, 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 as CEO is trying to identify those types of, of things and trying to, you know, provide directives and guidance and, 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 you know, when it's, you, when you need to roll up your sleeves and, and, and do some of the work yourself, that's, that's absolutely something you need to do as well. But that's really what, you know, what CEOs, uh, should be doing. And that's, that's, you know, those are the things that I did for the first few months, um, you know, until we built a new strategy. Um, a big tidal wave hit us, you know, as we were formulating, you know, uh, our strategy, which was COVID. And, you know, a lot of the changes that we made um, were driven by the fact that we anticipated that COVID would change the workforce landscape. And we decided to, you know, to address that with, you know, with, with, um, um, with the product portfolio, not the product portfolio, but the product building blocks that we had. We re-architected a product. We built a product that would be, you know, um, um, very, very effective in a remote work type of, of, you know, scenario. Um, that's, that's the new isolate for the last, you know, um, 14, 15 months since we made some of the changes. We think that the world's changed. And, um, you know, I'm, I always say that, um, building a startup is like, is like surfing. You, you know, you get on your board, you paddle out into the water. And you look for a wave. Um, and if the wave comes and you can ride it, great. Uh, if the wave passes you, uh, uh, don't try and catch that wave. Look back for another wave. Startups need to ride waves. It's really difficult. Google can create a wave. Facebook can create a wave. Regulatory, uh, uh, you know, regulators can create waves. A single company, it's really difficult for a single company to create a wave, if at all. Startups are about riding the wave and, and, you know, disrupting existing waves. Um, that's kind of my, I've never, by the way, ever gotten on a surfboard. Um, I grew up, uh, uh, five minutes, five minutes from the beach and I, you know, I, I was, I was never a surfer. All my friends were surfers, but, uh, but not me. No, I'm, I'm laughing because I love this analogy. I picked up surfing in the last couple of months and, you know, when I'm there and I'm, and I'm waiting for that wave and I'm seeing people try, to paddle like crazy because they're they're about to miss the wave most of the time they miss it and what they don't realize is that if they were to just wait for a few more seconds and to look back and breathe 
then they would have time to prepare for this next wave that's about to come. And sometimes it takes minutes, sometimes it takes seconds, but but it's all about that that perfect timing and having that conviction and doing it, you know, doing it calmly and with a lot of purpose. And so I, I love that. I love that analogy. Uh, thank you, Mark. Take me back to your childhood before Cyber, before Zapper, before Sayoda. Where who is Mark? You know, the, what 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 really fascinates you? Where, what sparks your curiosity, you know, in elementary school and middle school? So I think most of my, my middle school and high school, I actually didn't go to middle school, by the way. I had, we, we didn't have middle school where I grew up. We had, we had, pre we had, we had school and we had, uh, you know, a high school. But I spent, I, I spent yep. most of my schooling years uh, on a tennis court. Um, I, I was infatuated with tennis. I played tennis. Oh, I trained, you know, four or five times a week. I played tournaments. I went abroad. Um, it was, it was really, you know, the biggest part of my childhood wow. was, you know, was on a tennis court. Um, so my, you know, school Incredible. was great. I did fine. I did okay at school. Um, I liked, I like maths. I like physics. I did, you know, those were my majors in, in, uh, um, in high school. I had a really easy path with the English um, being, you know, being born abroad and growing up in an English speaking house. Things um, were easy from an English perspective. So I didn't need to spend a lot of time um, um, getting A's from my English tests. Um, so that's kind of um, fantastic. You know, childhood. I love it. Uh, I, I love it. And if, if we had a few more minutes, I would, definitely I would, I would be so happy to go into a conversation about tennis and why that is such a, a mentally rigorous game and, and one of the most incredible sports ever as a, as a tennis player myself. I can definitely relate. If you were to look today at what inspires you, either on a personal level or on a professional level, in the day-to-day, -day, when you wake up, when you, when you do what you do, where, where do you gather your personal inspiration, big or small? So, you know, when I look at, um, at people, I think that the people that give me the most inspiration who actually are people that have set ambitious goals and have achieved them. And it could, and it can really be across multiple fronts. It's, you know, um, it could be building a business. And when I say building a business, it could be building a successful lemonade stand, which is not easy in a competitive environment or building a massive, you know, high tech company. Um, even building, you know, a hamburger uh, place is, is, again, far away from the, the, the tech space. It's so difficult to build a successful business today, the competitive landscape, the ability to invent something new or to come yep. up with a, you know, with a, 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 a new concept and to, you know, um, uh, craft your way into, you know, into the market, make it successful. Uh, those are the things when I, when I, you know, when I look at people that have really achieved um, those types of uh, kind of builders, I would say, builders really get me um, um, excited. I love it. Okay, Mark, last question. What if you had to choose a few words that you were to describe yourself? Or if I were to ask any of your partners, previous co-founders, employees, who, who is Mark? What, what words come to mind when I think of Mark? What, what, would, what would a few of those words be? Um, so in no, in no order of, uh, of importance, I would say um, competitive. Um, yes. I'm super competitive. I don't know if I uh, love to win or hate to lose more. It's, you know, um, I think there's, you know, being, being competitive has is, 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 is got two components to it. Um, 
my family is super important to me and I would, you know, articulate myself as a family person. Um, my wife, my three kids, um, you know, definitely play a big role. We've, 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 we've traveled the world uh, as a family um, for the last 15 years. We've lived in lots of different locations, uh, typically because of my work. And that's kind of brought us together as, as, as a family very, very uh, nicely. Um, and, you know, my third, I would say I, I'm super patriotic. Um, I, you know, there's, I, I often tell people that I, I made Aliyah for those people that don't speak Hebrew. That's I, I emigrated to Israel three times. Um, once as a kid, wow. I had very, I have, I had very little to say about it. My parents, uh, kind of slept me here as, you know, at an early age, their goal was to, you know, build a, build a home and a family in, in, you know, in Israel. Um, and twice after that, we moved to the U S and, you know, for extended periods, and we decided to, you know, to move back. Israel is a big part of, of, of my identity. I'm super patriotic, um, super keen and, and, and bullish about the, the, the tech scene here in general. Uh, so I would say that those are kind of the things that, uh, that, that I'm passionate about or that, uh, that define me as, and, and, you know, uh, my beliefs. Mark, thank you very, very much. This was wonderful. I cannot wait to share this with everybody. And thank you for the time and the inspiration. I can't wait to follow your work with Isolate. And uh, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. Excellent. And just FYI, uh, Moshe Lipska from Imperva. Yeah. He was my commanding officer in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the army. So he was my Mephakesevet. Actually. Um, so, wow. so small, small worlds, uh, we, we are super, super, super tight. We've known each other for 30 years. Incredible. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for a great episode, Mark. <laughs>